Well, good morning and welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I know uh, we did. And I just was thinking about as we transition through this part of the year, uh, it's really easy to try to catch a sigh of relief. You know, we're through the holidays, we're getting ready for the new year, and it's really easy for us to just kind of uh, push Christmas to the side and get ready for the next thing. At this point, we want to stop because uh, we're going to stop and we're going to take a look at the fact that Jesus does change everything, doesn't he? You know, Jesus uh, didn't come to get rid of our past. He came to give us a new life. You know, he didn't come to, uh, to change the lives that we have, but to really to point us in a new direction. And so Jesus changes us uh, from the inside out. So we want to celebrate that uh, today as we uh, continue our series um, looking at uh, uh, It's Not Your Birthday. Today we're going to be looking specifically at uh, choosing a road of a different path. And uh, we're going to be looking at the fact that Jesus does, in fact, change everything. He rescues us from our hopelessness. He gives us hope. He saves us from being separated from him and brings us into a relationship with him. And it's all based on a, a path that we're on and choices that we make. And, and so we're, today we're going to be looking at choosing a different road. You see, each of us must choose uh, which road we're going to take, which path we're going to be on. There's options for us. Uh, we can take a, a path that leads to... Uh, worldliness, we can choose things of this world, world's priorities, or we can choose a path that is focused on God, His Word, and His plan for us. Uh, so we have two different roads that we can choose from. Paul summarizes it like this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He says this, Don't be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what His good an acceptable, perfect will is. And so we're not to be conformed to this world. Instead of doing this, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we study and apply God's Word to our life. And each of us must choose our own path. No one can do that for you. We must each make our own choice. We're each on our own trip together, so to speak. Speaking of trips, this past week my family and I Took a trip down to see some family and uh, some friends. And it was about a 2,500-mile trip. Google told me it was 2,100, but we got redirected. So we are 2,500 miles. We, we went out. We started down in uh, Martinsville, Indiana. We saw my dad and uh, my sister. We went down into Arkansas. We went down into Texas. And we came back up through uh, Oklahoma. 2,500 miles. And we did that in four nights and five days. Uh, six of us were in the car with three dogs. Last time we made this trip, our car broke down. We bought a car in distress. And uh, when they pulled it out, I realized it didn't have a luggage rack on it. So all of our luggage was in the car too. It was absolutely packed. And then to top it off, about halfway down, one of the members of our family got sick in the car. <laughs> so it was a long trip together. But we had fun. It was actually a, a blast. Uh, I love doing uh, trips like that together. And I love taking trips on the road. I'd rather do that and spend time with family and, and we get to talk and just had a great time on the road together. But it was interesting because all these different, different routes um, we had to take was a lot of highway changes. Um, we were using Google Maps. Does anybody use Google Maps besides me? I absolutely love that app. That is a great app. And then they, I understand they just mer merged with uh, Waze. And so now they take traffic conditions into consideration and they give you alternate routes. And so while we're driving, Google every once in a while would say, hey, maybe you should take this route. And so they'd give us some alternatives. They would say, turn left, turn right. 
And I was amazed at how many times my wife and I would look at each other and say, don't you think we should do that? <laughs> you know, I just saw this strip. I was amazed. You know, we're just following along. Google's giving us directions. And every time we came to a road change, we had a choice. We could listen to what Google said and follow that, or we could make up our own rule, right, and just kind of take our own route. We could follow the directions and recommendations, or we could pick our own route. And that's kind of the same way it is with God, isn't it? I mean, we can submit ourselves to God and his word, and we can follow his directions and his plan, or we can choose our own path. You know, it's a lot of, Google just, it's a lot about, reflects a lot about life, right, just with regard to the decision we have to make about which path, which road we're going to choose. That pretty much sums up everything that we're going to look at this morning. <laughs> the world would have you trust in yourself, your finances, your job, your relationships, your friends, your family, your savings account, your spouse, your skills, your abilities. The world would have you trust in worldly things. But we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we study and meditate and apply Scripture to our lives. And so it's a choice that we must each make. We can choose our own path, or we can choose the path that God has for us as outlined for us by His Word. God's Word is our standard. Amen? God's Word has everything in it that we need. God doesn't change our past. He changes us. He makes us new. And He gives us His Word so that it might be written on our hearts so that we can be conformed to the image of His Son and be transformed and renewed on a daily basis. How many of you have had an opportunity to uh, memorize our December verse this month? Anybody memorize our verse? For de- How many of you know what December's verse was? <laughs> okay, okay, so look, it's not too late. We've got four more days in December. Now, if you go to our website, springbrook.org, we've got our uh, uh, passage on there. That Every month we put up a different passage for our church family to memorize. We use Scripture Typer. It's got all the verses on there that we've memorized together as a church family. December's verse was John 3.16. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. How many of you already had that memorized? <laughs> if you don't have it memorized, memorize that. That is a great passage. And if you do, I want to encourage you to think about how it applies to your life this morning. In fact, that's what we're going to look at this morning. We can go deep in our study a couple different ways. We can take a look at doctrinally and systematic theology what the Bible has to say about a whole topic or we can take a passage and we can go deep on that one passage and that's what we're going to do this morning we're going to take this passage and we're going to look at each component of this passage and how to apply it to our lives John 3:16 provides us with seven reasons that we can trust God to help us choose the right path to choose the right road to choose that different road not of the world but the one that God would have for us as we look at his word together. God loves you. He has a plan for you. And you can trust him. He will help us make the right decisions. You can trust God. You can trust the love that God has for you because God's love is unconditional. We see that in John 3:16, where it says, For God so loved the world. That is an unconditional love. For God so loved the world. The first part of that passage is going to, yeah, right there it is. He loved the world. When you think of the world, what do you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? God so loved the world. I think most people, when they think of the world, they think of the planet. You know, it's planets, it's got people on there, cars, buildings, roads, animals. You know, we've got trees and shrubs and grass. And so most people, I think, of when they think of the world, probably think of the planet. 
But that's not what this word is, reflects. You know, when Jesus spoke that word and, and when John wrote that word down, they had a specific idea in mind for what that word world means. And it's this. World, as it's translated here, is by definition mankind. For God so loved all of mankind, mankind that is alienated from God, unredeemed and hostile to him. We live in a fallen, broken world, and we make that up. You and me together make up the world. God loves the entire world unconditionally. He loves you. He loves me. He loves Mother Teresa. He loves Hitler. And I find it sometimes hard to believe that God loves all those people that make up this movement called ISIS. Do you believe that God loves those people? God loves everybody unconditionally. That's hard for us to accept, isn't it? I mean, thinking about the fact that God could love those people. I mean, them of all, all the people in the world. How can he love them? Well, because God loves every single one of us unconditionally. But we struggle with that idea. You know why we struggle with that? Because our love is not unconditional. We do not love unconditionally. There's always something attached to love for us. We love someone if they love us. We love someone if they behave, if they're good. Our love always has some strings attached to it. We have difficulty loving unconditionally. But the good news is this. God doesn't. God loves you and me in spite of anything that we've done. He loves us in spite of anything that we will do. He loves us in spite of everything that you will think, act on, do. I mean, God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that he does not know about you and me. And he loves us anyway. That is great news, isn't it? That God loves unconditionally. And it's because of that reason that we can trust him. I'm surprised and in shock how many times I talk to people that will not come to church because they don't think they're good enough. I was talking to somebody a couple months ago that I invited to church, and he wanted to know if he had to call in to let us know he was coming first. I said, no, just come on in. People have an idea that they're not going to be accepted by God and by other people around him. Now, I understand the people thing because we've got to work that out. God loves unconditionally. That's our model. But the fact that God loves unconditionally is cause for us to celebrate. It's one of the primary reasons that we can trust God, that we can trust him with helping us to make the right decisions with regard to which road we're going to take. Am I going to choose the world's idea of love or am I going to choose God's idea of love? God loves us unconditionally, and that's one of the reasons we can trust him. Another reason we can trust God is because his love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. God gave. His love is sacrificial. Love is not a feeling. It's not a, something that you fall in and out of. It's something that you work at. It's something that you give to other people as you serve other people. Love is an act. 
It's not just a feeling. Did you know that you can give to something without loving it? You can give to something that you don't love. You can give to a charity. You can give to people around you. You can give to your workplace. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You can't say, I love something without giving to it. Love is sacrificial. Love's not a feeling. It's a commitment to something. In fact, we should probably exchange that word commitment in our relationships. When I tell my wife I love her, what I'm saying is I am committed to you for better or worse, right? Love is a commitment. It's not just a feeling. You can't love God without giving to him as well. You can't love God without giving him his rightful place in your heart. You can't say, God, I love you, and then go do whatever you want to do. You have to choose whether you're going to love the world or whether you're going to love God. It's a choice that each one of us has to make. And there's three areas that loving God will cost us. It will cost all of us. It costs us in our time, it costs us in our energy, and it will cost us with our finances. You cannot love God, or for anyone for that matter, without giving of your time. I can't say to you, I love you, and then spend no time with you. <laughs> you have to give your time to the people that you love. You have to give your time to your relationship with Christ and, to, and as you spend time in God's Word. And you can't love without giving of yourself physically and emotionally. I have to not just spend time with you, but I have to have meaningful conversation. I have to have a, a relationship with you that we build on where we're talking and listening to one another. And that's emotionally draining, isn't it? But that's what love is. It's a commitment to a relationship. It's, it's giving of yourself physically and emotionally. And you can't love God and money. The Bible says we can't love God and money. We can't serve two masters. Either we'll love this one and hate this one, or we'll love this one and hate that one. We can't serve God and money. The Bible talks more about finances than it does almost any other topic. It's important. The love of money is the root of all evil. It gets us in trouble. And if we're going to love, we have to provide for our family. If we're going to love, we have to give God his rightful place in our finances. Love is sacrificial, and it comes with great cost. In fact, the cost is so high that in Matthew uh, chapter 19, Peter questions Jesus about whether it's really worth it. In chapter 19, beginning in uh, verse, uh, what is, what verse is that? Verse uh, 27, Peter says this. Peter's talking to Jesus, and Jesus is talking with, to them about the cost of following him. And Jesus, uh, Peter says to Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. What do we have? And I love Jesus' reply. He says to Peter, I say to you, truly I say to you, in the new world when the Son of Man comes, he will sit on his glorious throne, and you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In other words... What you've given up today, you're going to get back later. In fact, down in uh, uh, verse 29, he says, you're going to get back a hundred times more than you've given. It's costing you now, but there's a future reward awaiting you. And it's a high cost, but that ultimately is where our hope is. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial for us in the sense that it came at a high cost. God's love is sacrificial in that he gave. You can trust him because his love is unconditional, it's sacrificial, and then third, because it's valuable. God's love is valuable. 
John 3.16 says, Not only did God give, but He gave His one and only. It was the only one He had. You know, when you give of somebody out of your abundance, that's not really sacrificial. But God gave His only Son. He didn't have any others. And I would say in general, most of us probably give out of our abundance. We don't tend to jump at the opportunity to give sacrificially every time an opportunity presents itself. In fact, I was, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of uh, Salvation Army bell ringers out front, and I love giving to them, and the kids get involved in that. And, and, uh, but I typically don't jump at giving sacrificially every time somebody asks, especially when there's 50 of them. <laughs> I give to all of them. And so, you know, I was walking by, and I had some change in my pocket. I said, well, I really shouldn't give them change. And I got my bill filled out, and I got a, uh, I had some, a dollar in there. I thought, you know, I only had $2 in there, actually. It was $2, two to $1 bills. And so I thought, I'm never keep one of those in case I need it. And so I gave him one. I didn't give sacrifice. Y'all had plenty in there. And so typically that's the way most of us give. And when we think about God, that's what we do with our finances as well. We think, hey, I got all these things to do. And so we get to the end and we think, this is what we got left. And we give out of our abundance. But God's love is not like that. God's love is unconditional. It's sacrificial and it's valuable. Because he gave his only son. When God gives, it's not out of abundance, but it's only out of a single son that he had. You know, I think as a parent, you know, God has just uh, blessed us with four wonderful daughters, my wife Carolyn and I, and I just love our kids, and, and they are valuable to me. I love them, I care for them, and the thought of losing one of them just breaks my heart. I can't, in fact, imagine any pain greater as a parent than having having lost a child. And maybe some of you have experienced that. I can't imagine what that pain is. But I find comfort in knowing that God does. Because God gave his one and only son. There's value attached to something when you've just got one of them. And there's value attached to something when it's personal as well. You know, God just... His love is not just valuable, but it's also personal. That's number four. God gave his only son. God's love is unconditional. It's sacrificial and valuable, and it's personal. God gave a son. He didn't give one of the lambs out of the flock. He gave a son, a family member. I don't know about you, but that, the thought of that is just overwhelming. It makes God's love that much more trustworthy. Because when we talk about God's love for people, it's not just a flippant thing. God loves you. Well, yeah, God loves everybody. But God's love is something that really cuts at the heart of what it means to want to have a relationship with somebody. It's valuable and it's personal. God's love is worthy of our trust. And because of that, We can choose his path. And when you look at what the world has to compare to that, it all is going to fall short. To be honest with you, as I was looking at this list later, we'll talk about this in a minute. As we're going down through this list, I can't believe why somebody would choose anything else other than that. I mean, God's love is outstanding. The Christmas story is absolutely outstanding. And that's what we've come to celebrate. You know, we can trust God's love We can trust his love also because it's accessible. God's love is accessible. 
It's valuable, it's personable, and God's love is accessible. You realize everyone has access to God's love. It's not just something for me. It's not just something for you. It's something that is accessible to everyone. I was talking to somebody about Christianity uh, this past week and was surprised at the hostility that they had towards Christianity and towards the church in general in a sense that they felt like it was a club and they weren't welcome into it. And so I said, Christianity and the church is, you know, it's just it's an exclusive club. They don't want anybody else in. And so he started going on and on and on about the church and about Christianity. And so I said, well, have you ever come to church? Well, I've been once. <laughs> I said, well, I'd encourage you to give it another shot. In fact, would you like to join? I said, would you like to come in and be a part of this family? I said, Christianity is about a family of people that have come to understand their need for a relationship with Christ. They come together to listen to his word, to study his word, to apply it to their life, to sing and to worship. And and Sunday morning is a worship experience that you can come be a part of. Would you like to come be a part of that? He just kind of sat there for a second. And he had to make a choice. Was he going to choose to visit? Or is he just going to continue to argue? I said, the choice is yours. Don't say Christianity is exclusive. It's not going to let you in. Because God's love is accessible to every single person, including you. You can come in if you want to. But he was choosing not to accept that. See, the great thing about God's love is that it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's personal, and it's accessible to every single person in the world. That's amazing, isn't it? We can trust God because of the love that he has for us. By choosing to believe in him, we have immediate access to God. Anytime we want. It's amazing. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have access to God's grace. And it's available to every single person. I've got a uh, new cell phone. It was a while back now for Christmas. I'm not going to get into the iPhone Android deal. I got a new iPhone. It was on sale. I got a good deal, yada, yada. But I was trying to figure out how to program my numbers. I haven't quite figured it out. But I found out that for my family member, I can star them. I can make them my favorite. And then for people that are on my favorites, when they call my cell phone, I can give them a special ringtone. And even if my silencer is on or my cell phone's in night mode, if any of my family members call me, it will go right through. I don't want to miss a call from any of my family members. They have immediate access to me. And that's what we have with God. Every single one of you is in God's favorites list. You have immediate access to God. You know, we have immediate access to God. God's love for us is so great that he opens himself up and makes himself available for us at any point. We can trust God's love. Because it is accessible and because it's secure. God's love is secure. John 3.16 says that whoever believes in him shall what? Shall not perish. We are secure in the love that God has for us. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus is hanging on a cross between two thieves. One of the thieves is ridiculing him and making fun of him and saying, well, if you're the Christ, get yourself down from here. 
And the other one says to him, don't you know who you're talking to? This is the promised one. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. And Jesus says, you understand who I am. The man displayed a faith in who Jesus was. And Jesus says to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So you got the one guy that's going to be in paradise with Christ forever. you got the other guy that's not. He's going to perish apart from spending eternity with God in heaven. But the other guy that did acknowledge him, that did believe in him, is going to be with Jesus today in paradise. You see, when you die, you are separated physically from your body. You're spiritually separated from your body. Your body goes in the ground, but you are going to go somewhere. And you're going to go somewhere based on whether or not you've believed in him. So you can perish apart from Christ, or you can have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven with God. Those are the choice that we each must make. And it's based, it's based on what we do with our faith in Christ. You see, there's, there's nothing in between there. It's, it's, a, it's not a pick or choose. There's no middle ground with regard to whether it's this side or that side. There's only two options. <laughs> I just thought of run. You ever seen run down? Run down. I'll give you option A and option B. Well, I want option C. There's no option C. You got A or B. <laughs> That's a great idea, you know, because I think part of the dynamic is why, and this is the other thing when I'm talking to people, when I ask, are you going to heaven? I very rarely get a yes. It's always I think so, maybe, or I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, in our community, the majority of answers are I think so, maybe, or I don't know. People desperately need to hear the good news that we have about Jesus Christ. We are salt and light as a church. We're here to help people to discover who God is, to discover the love that God has for us. We've been entrusted with something very special that people desperately need to hear. And so if I were to ask you this morning, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, do you know if you're going to heaven? That's a yes or <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah, I am too. That's a yes or a no. If you can't say yes, then the alternative is no. There's nothing in the middle. If you don't know or if it's maybe or I'm not sure, you've got to clarify that. I want to encourage you to clarify that today. We're going to talk about this in just a few moments. But you can trust God's love because when we believe in him, we have the assurance that we are secure. We are not going to perish. You can trust God's love because it's secure. And then last, because it's going to last forever. You can trust God's love because it's going to last forever. John 3.16 says this, Whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. Eternal. How long is eternity? <laughs> it's forever. Our brains can't really wrap our minds around what, what eternal is. I was looking for some examples on eternal and Interestingly enough, I came up with an article from USA Today. It publishes this article on survival foods that can last forever. <laughs> There's foods out there that will last forever. Apparently honey. They found some honey in Egypt. It was crystallized, melted it down, and it's still good honey. So apparently honey will last forever. Rice. Rice is supposedly going to last forever. And I don't know. Somebody's got, you know, 10,000 years. It's got to degrade at some point, right? I heard French fries will last forever. It wasn't on the list. 
but french fries are supposed to be able to last forever. Now listen, what's going to last forever? Everything that you see with your eyes is temporary. Everything. If you can see it, it is temporary. It's that simple. But the love that God has for us promises us that we are not going to perish. Our bodies are going to be perished. They're going to be, we're going to go into the ground. We're going to be separated from those. But you as a person are not going to perish. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. If I were to ask you to raise your hands, if you're going to live forever, raise your hand. Everybody should raise their hand. We are all going to live forever somewhere. It's either going to be in God's presence or we're going to perish without him. We are going to live forever somewhere. God promises us that through our faith in his son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but we're going to have eternal life. That's love that you can trust. God's love is trustworthy. It's reliable. You can count on it. You know, I'm looking at this list. Let's go back and look at the seven. When I look at this list, I can't imagine wanting to choose something else. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we study and apply God's word to our life. And we can choose God's love or we can choose the world. Those are the two choices. And I can't for the life of me understand why somebody would not want that. Although I'm constantly in conversations with people that don't know if they can trust him. They don't know if they're good enough. They don't know if they're welcome. They don't know about the security. They don't understand his love is personal. They don't understand that they can come to him at any point. People reject that statistically. The majority of people that you work with, that you go to school with, that you live next to, reject this. People can talk about God. A lot of people will talk about God. But the second you start to talk about how to have a relationship with Christ, we talk about Jesus, the conversation changes, doesn't it? I mean, try it in your workplace or try it with your neighbor, try it at school. I mean, you can, you, you, the second you start to talk to people about Jesus, boom, the conversation goes in a different direction. That's what this is. Christmas is about the fact that God came down as an expression of the love that he has for us to have a relationship with us and give us these things. Who would not want that? That is a different road than what the rest of the world is going to choose. This morning, if you have not chosen that road, I want to encourage you, make that decision today. Don't leave without understanding the security and the love that God has for you. God loves everyone. But John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 say this. As many as received him, as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. God loves everybody. But as many as received him to them, they get to be called children. You know, if I was at 2 o'clock in the morning, if there was a bang on my door and I looked out the curtain, and I saw one of my kids at the door, do you think they're going to come in? You betcha. But if I look out the door and I see somebody and I don't understand, you know, who is that? You know, I'm just not going to let anybody in, would you? Unless they're part of my family. They're not just coming through the door. If I can't recognize you, say Springbrook or something. You can still come in here. But <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> God loves everybody, but it's through our faith in him that we become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, 
nor of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of the call of God. John writes about the fact that no one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. And so if you cannot raise your hand today and say, today I know for a fact that I'm going to heaven. This is a call of God. This is the Holy Spirit working in you, calling you into a relationship with himself. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it is. It's not works-based faith. It's placing your faith in Christ and trusting in the work that he accomplished for you on the cross. That's what's great about the Christmas story. God came down, gave his one and only son that was headed for death on the cross to die for our sins. That's the message of the Christmas story. It's life-changing. We celebrate it on Christmas Day, but we live it every day. We live that out every single day. And if you have not made that decision today, I want to encourage you to do that. It's that, it's that easy. Our prayer team is going to come up uh, in just a few moments. Our worship team is going to come out in just a few moments as well. And we have a couple songs we're going to sing for you. Um, we typically have done our prayer during the worship time at the beginning of the service during the second and fourth Sunday. Today we're going to do it at the end. And our prayer team is going to be up. And if you want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning and you want to have that security, I just want to invite you to come up. You can come up and say, hey, I'm not quite sure exactly what he's talking about, but I know I need to do that. <laughs> they would love to pray with you. Don't leave here this morning without settling that in your own mind. It's a choice that each of you has to make. I had to make it. Each of us has to make that choice. I want to encourage you to Choose to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Choose God's love. Don't choose the world. And if you've uh, already had that passage memorized, and it's, a, it's one that you look back on with familiarity, Matthew chapter 5, 16 says this, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I heard a story about a guy that made a faith commitment at a mission, and uh, he was uh, homeless, and he was a drunk, he was uh, a drug abuser, and he came into a relationship with Christ at this mission, and God changed his life. Just miraculously he changed his life, uh, put him on a different path, and uh, he was active in the mission, and the influence that he was having on the, the men and women in this ministry was just unparalleled. I mean, it was, it was amazing how many people he was able to touch. And the pastor at one of the services they were having did an altar call, and somebody came up and was praying with him, and he said, Father, he said, I'm not sure how to do this, but God, just make me like Joe. Because I want to be like Joe. Change my life. Make me new. And so he went on and on with his prayer. And after he got done, the pastor said, well, did you, did you mean you want to be like Jesus? And the guy said, well, I don't know. Is he like Joe? <laughs> Let your light shine so that others see the hope that you have within you. And they're attracted to that. In Acts chapter 2, that first church got started because of all the believers were together. They held everything in common. They were committed to one another. They were committed to the disciples' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And they were filled with a sense of awe and wonder. And a watching community saw that and wanted it and came in. And God added to their number daily those that were being saved. We're a lighthouse as a church. That's why we're here. To build up and to encourage people that call Springbrook Church their home. We want to invest in, in people so that they can grow and experience the change life that God does promise. And we're here to answer questions for people in our community that have questions about God and the Bible. And that's why you exist as a believer. If you have a relationship with Christ and that passage is one that was familiar to you, I pray that you would let your light shine in a way that others would be drawn into a relationship with themselves. In Acts 
says this, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be his witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. If you are a believer, then you are a witness. You might not have the gift of evangelism. You might not be comfortable walking somebody through the plan of salvation or know what exactly what to do with that passage in Revelation, but you are a witness. God has changed your life. You have a relationship with Christ, and hopefully there's been some change that you can share with somebody around you. And you don't have to rely on yourself to do that. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you that enables you to be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea. Jerusalem is our hometown. It's right here in our church family. It's in our neighborhood. Jerusalem is our immediate circumference. And we've got Judea. We have an opportunity as a church family to be a part of what God's doing in our region, in our community, in Lawndale. We're involved in our Samaria. We're part of a church and part of a movement of churches that is establishing and growing churches nationwide, globally. And then we're part of the ends of the earth. You know, our mission in India, the opportunity we've had to go to uh, Belize and think about some of the mission trips that we've had. We have an opportunity as a church to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And you can participate in that. And so if you are a believer this morning, if that passage was one that was familiar to you, I want to encourage you to apply it to your life as we head into the year 2016. Don't just let it be a passage that's been memorized, but let it transform you and change the way you think and act so that you can be a part of the plan that God has for you and for our church. If you go to our website, springbrook.org, we've got some resources up there that you might find beneficial. Just go to slash resources. Um, I saw Bible Gateway came out with a Bible reading plan for 2016. You can click the link for that and sign up for that. We've got Scripture Typer. We've got uh, several people at Springbrook that are part of our Springbrook group where we're memorizing different passages together. We've got applications. We've got YouTube. We've got devotions. We've got more at our fingertips. What's the expression, though? We are so far well-educated beyond our obedience sometimes that we struggle. We have all kinds of resources to help each of us grow as we go into the new year. So you can check out that website. You can sign up for those devotions. And I want to encourage you as we head into this next year to live differently. Live with purpose. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Our worship team is going to come out now as they play these next songs. Um, this is an opportunity for us just to reflect and to pray and ask God to continue to change us. And if you haven't had an opportunity to commit your life to Christ, our prayer team is going to come forward now, and you can come up. They would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. Just walk up and say, hey, not quite sure what I need to do here. I know I need to publicly confess my faith in Christ, so can you help me with that? They would love the opportunity to pray with you. Or maybe you've got something going on in your life right now as you finish this year, you head into the new year, and you think, man, I just need somebody to pray for me in this. They would love the opportunity to pray for you. That. Or maybe you've got something just to praise God for. God's at work. His Word's living and active, and He's doing great things in our lives. And so if you just want to praise God for that and give thanks to that, you can pray for them. Uh, just share that with your prayer team. So if you have a relationship with Christ, somebody can pray for you or just praise God for I invite you to take the next few moments to, to come forward and share that with our prayer team. Or you can just reflect where you're at and ask God to change you from the inside out as we move into the next year. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us. And I just thank you for the love that you have extended to us, for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for this church, for the opportunity we have to encourage one another, to sharpen one another. God, may we not be conformed to the image of this world, but may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds in your word. 
God, thank you. This is a church that stands firmly on your word. And I bet you continue to draw us closer to yourself. We look forward to the great things that you have for us as we move into the next year. And we commit our time to you for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.